24 hours every day, 168 hours every week. Since there's a pretty good chance you're watching this in church and assuming you were on time and don't get up and leave early, you're probably going to spend about one hour here. And that leaves 167 hours throughout the week to use how we choose. Studies show we spend about 54 hours each week sleeping and about 8 hours eating. That's followed up with about 1 hour 45 minutes on the toilet. <laughs> per week. Oh, but that's for men. We spend roughly 15 hours on email and adults are averaging about 73 hours per week screen time. Wow! Every week we spend about 10 hours in the car and about 43 hours at our jobs. And did you know we spend on average a measly 8 minutes a week brushing our teeth compared to the recommended 28 minutes a week? Ew! Studies also show that we'll spend on average 62 minutes complaining this week and we'll only laugh about 42 minutes. Compare that to the 1950s where we laughed a whopping two hours each week. I think it's time we cheer up. It's got to make you think, where do I spend my 167 hours? So good morning, people. How you doing? Good, good. My name is Brian Marston. I'm the campus pastor here, if we haven't met. And we are thrilled that you've chosen to spend your Sunday with us, at least this one hour, right? So we're in this uh, 167 series. We started last week. We're going to build on that today. But if you weren't here, I just want to kind of get you up to speed on what we talked about real, real fast, because sometimes I can drag things out. So I'm going I'm to get to the point on this. But this past, past week, we talked about how the purpose of the one is for the 167. So the purpose of the one hour we have here is for the 167 we have in the rest of the week. And the question I really left you with to think about this, this last week and hopefully do something with was, what do I need to do on Monday with what I heard on Sunday? So with those things in mind, this morning we're going to build on that idea uh, as we dive into and finish out the 167. And I want to tell you, first of all, I like working out. Um, does anybody here like to work out? Ooh. Okay, that communicates. There, there are like five of you that like to work out. I like to sweat. Uh, I like the, the endorphins, and I've been told that I'm a much more pleasant person um, when I work out. I don't believe it. I'm always pleasant, but I've been told you're a much more pleasant person when you work out. And so I, I do it not just for me, but for the people around me. But about 10 years ago, when we moved up here, uh, I had gained some sympathy weight. Um, any fellows in here gain sympathy weight when your wife's pregnant? I gained, I gained some sympathy weight. Uh, I had to help her in the whole eating process. And, and so we had fun together. But I, I got a lot bigger than I should have gotten. And so I started getting into working out with some guys. And I, and I tell you, one of the, the great things about um, my life is I had my wife pregnant for like five years. Uh, and people were like, dude, you need to get TV in your room. And, and so I, it was, we, we, we had, we, we had a good time uh, living it up there, and then it did all that ended after five years, and then it was like reality. Uh, so we move up here, though, and, and we, we come on staff at Summit, and, and people have, like, made comments about what I looked like before and then uh, what happened after I started actually working out again. 
And I was so glad to get back to it. I'd, I'd meet a group of guys, and we'd play basketball twice a week at the YMCA uh, at 5.30 in the morning. It was like, ugh, 5.30. But we would go do it, and it was kind of like our band of brothers. And we did that for a few years, and we, we lifted weights together, and, and we were like, oh, getting all swole. But we had a good time. And so I, I had somebody that I played basketball with that said, hey, Brian, I want to I invite you to run a 5, or not a 5K, a 10K with me uh, around the 4th of July. It was called the Freedom Run in Greensboro. And I was like, oh, I could run a 10K, but that's only six miles. And I hadn't trained for a 10K, but I'm thinking, I can run a 10K. So I, I just said, yeah, yeah, I'm down to run a 10K. So we, we go over to Greensboro on a very humid, hot July day, and I sign up for this race. And, and they, they take us all up to the starting line. There are a lot of people that ran this race, and they, they stick the gun in the air, and go, boom. Well, I'm like, go, you know, and I take off because I'm kind of a wholehearted kind of guy, and I'm thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to slay this, you know. I'm, I hadn't trained at all, but I'm, I'm going to, so my pace was fast coming out of the gate, and I'm, I'm passing people, and I'm, I'm kind of ahead of everybody except for all the Kenyans that are at the front, like, hey, see y'all. You know, those guys are incredible. I'm, I'm very envious, but so I'm running, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm thinking I'm doing pretty good, and, and there are more people I'm passing than are passing me. Until I get to about the three-mile mark, and I'm starting to think, water, and, and, and my legs start to feel like jelly, and I slow down from this jog, this run, this jog to like a shuffle, you know, it's just kind of, uh, uh. and I knew it was bad, and when the lady with the walker came by, I was like, <laughs> oh, that's my competition now, dang it. Uh, and, you know, the kids passing me, the, the stroller, you know, it's like, oh, man, what does my life come to? You know, I'm like, I, I shouldn't be doing this. But I, I somehow I made it to the finish line. And I, and I felt very happy I made it to the finish line. And the you know, lady with the walker gave me a high five. Good job. Glad you made it, son. Um, I was, I was, it was a good day because I, I finished. But one of the things that it sparked inside of me is, hey, I don't want to do that again. I want to I actually run again, and I want to find a better pace and finish better. And so uh, I had a friend invite me to run a half marathon uh, a little bit, uh, uh, like next year, the next year. And so I went and I ran the half marathon, and that was fun because I actually trained for it. And I got one of those watches that helped me uh, tell time and my pace. And I found a sustainable pace for me to start that starting line when they shoot the gun and me not to go like a rabid dog, but then to actually find a good sustainable pace and make it to the finish line being proud of my result. And I wasn't passed by anybody with a walker. And so I made it, and I was proud. And then from there, I'm like, I want to do a marathon. So I signed up for a marathon at the Outer Banks, one of the, one of the greatest experiences of my life. And I remember that day because it was like 50 degrees outside, which was perfect. But you start off with like a hat and gloves, and you're cold at first. But after you get going, you just throw that stuff off, and they collect it for, for uh, goodwill. And you just keep going. And, and I remember crossing the finish line. And, and when I got about a quarter of a mile to the finish line, I went to an all-out sprint after running 26 miles. And, and I go, and I finish, and I feel so good. And then all of a sudden, it's like my calves go, you know, and it's like, I'm walking like this, and like, do you need to go to the bathroom, sir? No, I just ran a marathon, and, and I'm walking like this, and, and, and it really hurt bad, and we were at the Outer Banks, and we were looking at lighthouses, and the next week, we, we're, we're, my family are going to these lighthouses, and they're walking upstairs, and I'm like, uh, I'm just going to wave at you at the top, because I was in pain, but I was so 
happy that I found a sustainable pace for me to finish the race and to finish the race well. Now, I'll tell you that story because in my family, I've tried to pass on the, uh, the whole fitness working out thing is something that's been a valuable thing in our family be, to, to be important. And, and one of the things that my, my sons uh, have not really loved to do over time is they haven't necessarily loved to run. Um, they, one son has run a couple of 5Ks, Micah, he's, he's done that in the past, but it's, I think he kind of did it because you know, I signed him up for it. And my other son, Matt, he's been, he like only wants to run unless someone's, you know, the monster is chasing him. Um, it's like, I, I'm not down with this whole running thing. Uh, but this past year has been a change. There's been a transformation. They've decided they want to run, and they signed up for the track team here at Ragsdale. And I'm like, what? Because in the past, you, you, you see people that have these stickers on the back of their car that say uh, 6.2, that's a 10K, 13.1, half marathon, 26.2, full marathon. Uh, the, then there's a 70.3, which is a half Ironman. Then you see the 140.6, which is a full Ironman triathlon. And, and people have these stickers, and they're proud of them, right? You know, some people probably buy them and they just put them on there because I want people to think I did something. And, but, but Matt would have had a sticker that said 0.0. .0. And you've seen those before. 0.0, .0 is for people that go, I, I don't run. I do not run unless I'm being chased, and it's serious. And so Matt would have been that way, but he decided to sign up for track. And I'm just like, What? Sometimes your kids do something, and you're like, what? So he did. He surprised me. And they've been training and, and doing stuff over the last couple of months. Micah signed up for uh, sprinting. Matt signed up for distance. I'm like, what? You want to run more? And he's been running out to the Walgreens down here in Jamestown and back. That's like four miles. I'm like, what is he doing? Um, but... He asked me this on a Saturday, probably about a month ago, hey, Dad, uh, I need to do some extra training. <laughs> what? My coach told me I need to run uh, like 60 minutes today. Will, will you take me somewhere to run? I'm like, okay. So I found a local track in High Point. We went up to the track, and I'm thinking, man, this will be easy. I'll work out with him. I'll run his pace. And I said, Matt, I'll just, I'll just do what you do. He's like, okay, Dad, okay, Dad. So we stretch, and we, we get ready. And, and we, we warm up, and I'm like, this is easy, no problem, I got this. And then he's like, Dad, we're going to run uh, some 800s. 800s is it two laps around the track. So we get rolling, running the first 800, and I'm coming along, I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good, not too, not too bad. And then after about eh, three, 400 meters, he starts going faster. His pace picks up. I'm like, all right, this is starting to get real. Right, I'm having to work a little bit harder. Chest is beating a little bit more. Breathing's getting a little more labored. And we get up to about the 650, 700 meter mark. And boy goes straight for us gump. Like, I mean, this is like, woo, 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 you know, he's pulling those arms. The feet start going. You know, he's got short legs. And they're just turning over, turning over, turning over. And he leaves me in the dust. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa what, what happened here? And, I, and, I, and I, I'm like huffing and puffing to catch up to him at the, at the finish line. And he turns around and he goes, you okay, old timer? <laughs> no, he, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He's too humble to say that. But we got to the end. He's like, you all right? You all right? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm, my ego, bam. You, know, you just smoked me. 
And, and one of the things I thought about as I thought about today is I thought, this kid has found his pace when it comes to running his race. So he's found this pace when it comes to running the 800, and, and he's gotten a lot better really fast. And at 14, he's already showing me, you know, who's your daddy? And so kind of put me in my place a little bit. But one of the other things I thought about is, you know, this really relates to the 167 and the, and the one and this whole concept. Because when it comes to racing, we, we clearly know where the start line is. We clearly know where the finish line is. But oftentimes, we get confused and lack clarity on where that is in the 1 and the 167. Like, we understand it over here. It's valuable. I, I need to understand how, how long and what pace I need to run to get there in, a, in an effective way. And when it comes to the, the 1 and the 167, we oftentimes get Sunday confused in what happens here in the 1 with what's happening in the 167. We kind of confine it just to the 1. But see, Sunday Sunday's not a finish line. It's a starting point. Sunday is a starting point or a starting line. And it's very important to make that distinction because this one is meant to start you and catapult you to make the most out of the 167. And a lot of times we, we, we get going with our week and, and, we, and we get distracted and it's, it's like, oh, well, I, I lost all focus with what I was supposed to do and where I was supposed to go. And one of the things I want us to take from that today is to really take a step into living out what we know about. See, because a lot of us have learned and we felt, but a lot of times it doesn't translate to actually doing something. And so I want to help you take the next step in living out what you know about, finding a sustainable pace where you can go into your week and make the absolute most of it. And here's, here's the good news. We all want good news. We turn on CNN. We turn on Fox. Some of you are like, I don't watch CNN. I don't watch Fox. You know, you, you turn on your Facebook, right? And you're like, oh, my God. I, I need good news. This is dreadful. Um, but, so today is going to be good news. Because, look, last week you may have, like, punted your dog, you know, and you're going to PETA after you. Um, you may have done something really obnoxious at work. You, you've got moments, you, you look back with your family, with your friends, with, with your classmates, and you go, I wish I could do that over again. Well, the beautiful thing is, you can't go back to last week, but this week you have a brand new 167. Does that feel good? It feels, feels good to me to know that it, it's really a symbol of a fresh start. And it made me think back to a story when Brooke and I were newly married. You know, I was 25, we're newly married, we're in love. First year of marriage, so great, right? You're learning to live together. We're driving to uh, the first church I served in, wearing a suit. She's wearing a dress. Isn't that weird to think about? It just feels so foreign. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I mean, it, I, I don't want to do that now. So... We're driving in there, and we're having a conversation. You ever have a conversation, and it's not really going so well? And, you know, she had a lot of attitude back, in, back then. I had, I've had to kind of tame her over the years. And, and so she was getting on my nerves. And one of the things I hate to be is dehydrated, so I have my cup of ice water, and I'm like, girl needs to be put in her place. <laughs> 
So I dip my fingers in the ice water and I flick it in her face. Like, that'll get her quiet. She's going she's gonna to pipe down now. It didn't work. Are you surprised? No, she, she, without missing a, a second, she grabs my ice water. She dumps it in my lap. And, you know, it's like all, all like the senses were tapped into there. And it was just cold, just cold-blooded. And it was cold. And I remember thinking, I'm not going to mess with her anymore. And then this is who got tamed. But we, uh, we, we look at moments like that, and we laugh now. And it, and it just reminds me that no matter how things, bad things get in a moment, the next moment can be better because eventually we made up and we, we had our kids, right? So, I mean, it all worked out. But it's great to know that this week is a brand new week to live out what we know about. So I want to take you to the book of James. We talked about James last week. And the thing I like about James, and I, and I shared this with some of you, as we talked about this whole idea of, of looking into a mirror, looking into what we learn and not forgetting it, but actually remembering it and dealing with what we see. You know, sometimes we see some things like, oh, I need to change that. You know, you, you woke up this morning, the hair is like doing this, not in my case. But in your case, maybe your hair was crazy. But you didn't leave it that way. Oh, that's perfect. But, but we talked about dealing with it. And, and so we're kind of building on that idea today. But James, what I like about James is James was the brother of Jesus. And I can imagine what it would be like to be the brother of Jesus. We talked about this a little bit last week about how uh, you know, parents could be like, oh, why don't you be like Jesus? I mean, come on. But he was all, Jesus was also the, the older brother. And when you read the book of James, the very first verse, James acknowledges Jesus, his brother, as master and Lord. And, and in what universe is any brother ever acknowledging his other brother as master and Lord? Not this one, not my house, but James is acknowledging Jesus as this. And I would say that's a strong evidence for who Jesus was. Pretty powerful stuff. But he writes, James, I like how he writes because sometimes he writes some stuff that kind of kicks us in the teeth a little bit. And in the, the three verses we're going to look at today are actually four verses in the book of James. Um, he kind of he doesn't hold back, pull back any punches. So we're going to dive right into James chapter 2, verse 14. And James writes this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, you say you have this relationship with God. You say you've received the love of Jesus, but you don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? He's saying, okay, you say you're this, but you're this. Doesn't add up. Let's bring your faith and your actions into being together. And it reminded me of a, of a band audition we did when I led the Impact Student Ministry back in Kernersville. We, would, we still audition our, our, our musicians, and some people are really great and ready to play in the band. Some people are on their way. And we have people sometimes that come in, and they tell us how great they are. You ever have someone tell you how great they are? They tell you how great they are at whatever they do, and they tell you all the people they know that just make them great. 
they name drop, they tell you where they've been, what they've done, because they're just so impressive, and they want you to know. And you're, sometimes you get around those people, and you're like, okay. And you're just like, when can I look at the time? I need to leave. Um, I need to make a better use of my 167 rather than hear you brag about yourself. But you've been around people like this. Well, this person was like that. And they're going to audition for our band. And we're like, okay, we're going to just audition you because we can't just put you up there based on who you know and what you say you can do. So the person, we bring them into audition, and they have, like, the best equipment, the best guitar. They have the best amp. And, we're, and some people are like, oh, this, this dude's going to shred. He's going to shred it. He's going to tear it up. And so he gets up on stage, and he plays, and it's not that good. And it's kind of like one of those, yeah. And it's like, whoop. You said you're here, but your actions are down here. And they don't add up. And what James is writing is, let what you say match up with what you do. Not that you're perfect. Not that your performance is always going to be the, the best. But, but, but let what you say match up to your actions. And then he goes on. I think there's maybe a, a little bit of sarcasm in what he says next. But he says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, and have a good day. Stay warm, and eat well. Oh, that's heartwarming. And then he goes on to say this. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Ouch. And what I thought about is, how many times do we intellectually say, ooh, somebody should do something about that? And then we feel something. Oh, somebody should do something about that. And then when it comes to actually doing something, we do nothing. Oh, somebody should do something about that. Oh, Somebody should do something about that. Nothing. And James is like, what good does that do? You're wasting your time. And then he concludes like this. He says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, in your wildest imagination, you think about your faith, the faith that you say you have in Jesus, receiving his love. Would you ever want someone to, to describe your faith as dead and useless? Ugh. That's a kick in the teeth. Kick in the mouth hurts. And I think one thing I need to clear up here is some people over time have gotten, gotten confused to think that this is about salvation. This is about being made right with God. No, it's not, because you can't do enough to be made right with God. That's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. That's why we look at other scripture to interpret scripture. When you find a difficult scripture, you look at other scripture to interpret scripture. And one of my favorite scriptures that help, helps us here is Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 talks about, hey, we're saved by God's grace. Through faith, not by what we do. But what James is saying is, if you say you have faith, actions should match up. It shouldn't be like, whoop. It should be like, boom. Faith, actions, meeting up. 
So, how do you live out what you know about? How do you live out what you know about? See, for a lot of us, we come into a service like this. We come into the one, the one time a week, one hour. And we go, you know what? I have some really things that are in my head because I feel like I, I, I learned something and I feel in my heart that something should happen. And then you get out and life happens. You know, your dog does something on the carpet. You know, it's a distraction. Your kids do something. Your, your significant other does something. That guy at work who smells like onions, he, he just stinks. And, and, and then it's like, there are things that happen that just totally distract you and get you off track to where the good intentions are totally gone. And then you get back to the next week. It's like, well, I had good intentions. And then you start shaming yourself and beating yourself up and allowing the, 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 the lies and the assault that comes in, in to, towards you internally to take you out from ever getting back to doing something with what you intellectually knew and what you emotionally felt. And I want to help you get beyond that. You see, good intentions really don't add up to anything. My wife has a birthday this Wednesday. I'm happy for her. It's going to be a big day. It's when she, it was a celebration when she was born. I made a really bad mistake when we were first dating, and, and it was her birthday, and we were together, and we were, we were dating, and I, I see her at church that morning, and I had a responsibility at that time, and, and I was focused on my responsibility, and I see her, and she's like, hey, good morning, and I said, hey, and then I went back to my responsibility, and it was her birthday. I didn't say anything about it. Now, needless to say, it did not go over well, and, and we get in the car later on, and going to lunch, and it's quiet. Guys, you ever feel that? You get in a car and you know something's wrong. But you're like, I don't know what's wrong. But I feel like if I say something, I'm going to die. <laughs> and it's quiet. And it's tense. You just feel the tension. And your shoulders, you know, they, like they start getting tense and like up to your ears. And like, I feel so tense. And, and so I'm, I'm driving down the road and I'm like, what's wrong? Nothing. Okay, is everything okay? I'm fine. Well, you don't seem fine. Whatever. Fine and whatever are my least favorite words in the universe. I hate them. Fine, whatever. Ah! And I finally realize, and she's 20-something years old. She, she wouldn't do this now, maybe. But I haven't told her happy birthday. And it's like, oh. I'm a loser. And so I <laughs> make up for that. And so guess what happens every year when it's her birthday on April 12th? I wake up. Happy birthday. <laughs> and it's, it's a glorious day because she knows that I thought about her. And my good intentions, which I had good intentions back when we were first dating, because I love her and I loved her then and I thought happy birthday, but it wasn't saying happy birthday. And what I want to challenge you to do to live out what you know about is to move from good intentions to intentionality. Intentionality. Intentionality and in the who and the how. 
And I want you to think about this. You have people around you, people that you, 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 you live with, people that you have in your neighborhood, people that you work with, people that you bump into all the time. Be intentional. Put the good intentions aside and be intentional. And then there's the how. The how can be, be your personal disciplines. Uh, I was talking with one of the people who attend here, and, and I challenged you guys to read James last week. And she was like, okay, I read James this past week. It was great. What, what should I read this week? And I love that because she was being intentional with what she heard. She was living out what she knew about. It's like, okay, this makes me feel like I'm not wasting my time. Awesome stuff. With the who and the how. It may be something, you know, I need to rest. I need to actually rest and recapture energy. I had to do that this past week. I was sick. It was like I had been front kicked to the face and karate chopped to the neck and kicked on all other bad places. And, and I felt just awful. And I needed to rest. And I recouped. And I'm almost there. Sometimes you need to rest. Sometimes it could be another spiritual discipline of getting alone or writing it down about your life so you don't forget it. It could be something, though, like we talk about here all the time, being a part of a group, sharing your life with other people in order to help each other grow and mature. It could be something like serving. The environment here doesn't happen automatically. We have an amazing setup and teardown team. We, we, we still need more people to come alongside and, and to support that. We need people in our peak ministry, in our kids summit ministry, to, that, that love kids and want to make a difference. And we have all kinds of needs that are in our community. You can't do everything, but you can do something. And we want to help you to move from I know to I feel to now I do. And one set of verses really sums this up well, and I'm going to read through them quickly, and then I'm going to move on. But it's written by Paul in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. And so put these up on the screen. I want them to see these. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Be intentional. And it may start with a prayer of, God, God, help me. God, help me take the next step. God, help me to see it. Help me to feel it. And then help me to do it to see it, to feel it, to do it. That's living out what you know about. And I've heard it said this way before and what we're kind of talking about today, that the value of a life is measured by how much of it is given away. The value of a life is measured by how much of it is given away. I love this quote. And I know you want to have the most valuable life possible because you only get one. And you have the same amount of time as everyone else does in the 167. We have a fresh new week. And so to kind of wrap all this up and tie it all together, I have three stories I want to tell you really fast. First one, talking about giving away, giving it away. Person texted me yesterday and said, hey, I know Camp Kids Summit, our camp we do for elementary kids, we're doing it for the first time this summer. I know it costs something. What does it cost? So I said, hey, it costs this much. And this person said, I want to be anonymous. But if any kid has a hard time going, I will gladly pay for it. I was like, wow. You are living out what you know about. You are giving your life away. You're not, you, you say, I want to ease the financial burden on a family that may struggle. 
Your faith blows me away. I love, love this person. You rub shoulders with him all the time here. But they were going to be anonymous. The second person I want to tell you about, I want to actually invite to the stage, and we're going to have a quick conversation. Her name is Katie Benz. And Katie Benz is a 20-year-old college student who came to our very first Sunday on March the 13th, 2016. And Katie has blown me away about how she's lived out what she knows about. So I want to invite her to the stage, and I'll ask her two questions. So Katie, come on out. Let's give it up for Katie. And Katie, I have had to go super fast because there's just been so much in my head and sometimes I get distracted. Does that surprise you? No. Does that surprise you? <laughs> ADD. Uh, so Katie here, though, I, I wanted to come to the stage. 20-year-old college student, loves God, was invited by somebody to attend uh, here, and then she started serving, set up Teardown, tech team, uh, some with social media. She was baptized this past fall. Uh, just a great person. I like Katie a lot. She's an intern now, and she's interning with our tech department. And so she also got involved in a group, and I want to ask her two questions. One, how has being part of a group um, helped to grow your faith and help you to live out what you know about? Um, it's be definitely been a challenge, um, just being real and raw and opening up to people in a way that I hadn't really before and um, learned about other people as well and just like prayed and growed with them and stuff. That's awesome. So you, you say the, the being real, getting with group people, because you can't really get with group people here and talk about stuff has really opened up some things for you. And then the second question I want to ask you is how has serving helped you to grow in your faith and, and live out what you know about? Um, well, when I first started serving, I kind of just jumped right at full in and kind of um, overwhelmed myself really quickly. Uh -huh. um, I have a tendency to do that, and but we can after, do that. We can do that too. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but after a while, I realized this isn't for me. It's not for anybody except for Christ, and so it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult because it's for Christ. Mm. So it shouldn't always be easy. Mm. I like that. You impress me. And can I give you a high five? Yeah. yeah. All right. Y'all give it up for Katie. Thank you so much. Don't you love having people in the next generation like Katie around? It's so inspirational. Now, the last thing I want to share with you is a story that I'm going to read to you. And this came from a guy named Jim Gladding. And Jim has attended the summit for a long time. And he's part of a program called Summit Buddies. But I want to kind of share with you how he got there. And so I asked Jim to, to write a story out and to send it to me because I felt like it was a perfect example of giving a life away. So this is what Jim wrote to me. He said, six years ago, I participated in a big surf project at Sedge Garden Elementary School. At the end of the day, only the vice principal and I were left doing cleanup activities. He mentioned our Summit Buddies ministry where Summit attenders commit to having lunch with elementary age kids on a regular basis. Many of the students who need a summit buddy come from disadvantaged backgrounds. His exact words were sometimes the only nice things these kids hear during the week is when one of the summit buddies comes in and says, hey, I like your shirt. That thought stayed with me for a long time. Two years later, after praying, I decided to do something about it. I knew my boss wouldn't allow excessive time out of the office, so I looked for schools closer to work. I found Johnson Street Global Studies is about a mile away from my work. I don't remember how I found out, but it ended up that another summit attender, Jennifer Cooper, was a reading teacher there. 
And because we had done surf projects there before, I reached out to her with an idea to become a summit buddy with a student there. I remember the very first time that I went to see Jennifer, she said immediately, I know exactly the student who would benefit from you coming to see him. About one week later, I went back there to complete some paperwork, and I was walking down the hall with Ms. Cooper, and she said, here comes your boy now. Do you want to meet him? I was so intimidated, scared, and nervous. It felt strange being a big biker, Navy veteran guy, afraid to meet a seventh grader. She stopped him and introduced me to Ladarius Morris. Ladarius looked me in the face and shook my hand. Miss Cooper asked him directly, will you benefit if Mr. Jim comes to see you? And Ladarius shook his head yes. The next week, I went at lunchtime and sat at a table in the cafeteria with 20 other seventh graders. Again, totally intimidated. After about six weeks, Ladarius figured out that I wasn't going to leave the relationship. We started having lunch in, a, in, in an office, one-on-one. -on -one. And I learned Ladarius is a huge sports fan, both playing and watching. He likes track, football, basketball, the Philadelphia Eagles, LeBron James, and the Oregon Ducks. I learned he was the fastest student in his whole school, including the teachers. Soon afterwards, he asked if a friend could come have lunch with us. Soon, it turned into four students, plus me, every single week for the rest of the year. The only rules that we went by were no getting in trouble, do your best in class, respect each other, meet your teachers and parents. Not one student had a disciplinary problem the entire year. You need to know that was not the case before. Jump ahead four years. Ladarius is in 10th grade now. He plays varsity football for High Point Central. We continue to share lunch at least every other week. The rules we put into place haven't changed. No getting in trouble, do your best in class, respect each other, meet your parents and teachers. The relationships have changed as we've gotten older. Classes get harder. Phones, girlfriends, video games. Life changes, but the respect we built for each other only gets stronger. I make it a point not to miss any football games. I haven't missed one in four years. In return, Ladarius knows how to practice hard, play his best, support his teammates, listen to his coaches, lead by example both during practice and games. He has been singled out by parents, coaches, peers, and officials for being mature beyond his age. Classes are harder. Instead of getting A's and B's without much effort, Ladarius works hard and maintains mostly B's with an A every once in a while, and a C every so often too. That, when that happens, Ladarius knows that he needs to make adjustments and do better. I have a picture of Ladarius and Jim. Yeah, there they are. That's an example of a life being given away. The story continues. Ladarius has a six-year-old sister. Her name is Azariah. Although they live apart, she spends most weekends at his house and loves doing the same things as her big brother. Azariah came to the Summit Church for the first time about a year and a half ago. She started out in the peak, but has moved into the big kids' service this year. Shelley Wireman, a small group leader in Kids Summit in Kernersville, has been so wonderfully great and has adopted Azariah as her own daughter during the time they spend together each Sunday. Each week after the church services, we go to lunch. Azariah likes to give each of us nicknames. We all have shared names. Chicken head, taco head, cheese head, pickle head, french fry head. Pretty much any food that we may eat is funnier with head on the end. And it's turned into the nickname for the day. Azariah, Azariah makes sure Ladarius' family calls me each Saturday to make sure I don't forget to pick her up on Sunday. 
After service, she always runs into the home and shares whatever project or piece of paper she's received that day. And I have a picture of Azariah right here. Jim is an example of a life being given away and, and living out what he knows about. And we, as, as I said and showed you earlier, the value of a life is measured by how much of it is given away. So for you this morning, how can you live out what you know about? How can you live out what you know about? And what I did uh, ask our guest services team to do as they came in this morning is to give you a next steps card. And this next step card, it, it has steps already taken, and, and then you can contact me about your next step. I want you to pull these out right now, please. You should have one of these. Hopefully you didn't wad it up and throw it away. But, but if you did, you can pick it back up and open it up. And I want you to take a pen, and I want you to, to think about how can I make the one really count on the 167, and go down here, contact me about taking my next step, and it could be any of these things. Maybe you need to receive the love of Jesus. Maybe I need to take the next step in baptism. I need to be a part of a group. I want to serve. I want to give financially. I want to, be, I want to help the summit get to where they need to go. I believe this year, too, the best is yet to come but it's not gonna happen without us taking a new level of ownership. So I, I challenge you to do that. The other thing is, Easter's coming up next weekend. If there's anybody in your mind that you think could benefit from being here, I challenge you to write their name down. I challenge you to put that in the basket that we'll have for you as you go out. And I wanna let you know that we're gonna pray for every one of those names you write down as you think about inviting them this week for our Easter services next weekend. I appreciate you guys being here this morning. And before we take communion, I'd like to pray for us. God, we thank you for a chance to give our lives away. And I pray that you would help everyone in here to think about what their next step is in the 167. God, help them to let their faith and actions move more in line, knowing it's not about performance. It's about doing something with what we learn and what we feel. God, we thank you for stories like our anonymous giver. We thank you for Katie. We thank you for people like Jim and Ladarius and Azariah and Shelly. And I pray as we take this bread and we take this juice, that we would remember what Jesus did for us on the cross and how he gave his body and his blood to pay the price for our sins. We thank you for our chance to be together and I pray that it would lead to action. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.